Let's pray together as we start. Heavenly Father, as we look into this new series on the armour of God, would you open our hearts and minds to hear what you're saying to us? Would you help us to train uh, for the life that you've laid out for us? Uh, And Father, for the battles that will inevitably come, thank you that you are with us in each one and that you give us the gift of this armour so that we can stand for you and for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the armour of God. Uh, I wonder what you think of uh, when you hear those words. Um, They're a bit different, aren't they, in some ways? They're they're a little bit removed from our normal day-to-day experience, potentially. Um, When I first think of the armour of God, the first thing that came to my mind uh, when preparing this was the um, scene from the old Disney film, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Has has anyone seen that? And um, there's a scene where all these coats of armour, medieval coats of armour, come alive, and then they go and take on the Nazis. Um, You know, it's... It can be a bit like that. You think armour of God and you think it's just a bit odd maybe. But then my mind turns to my friend Josh who is a captain in the uh, army uh, and at some point this year he's going to be heading out to the Middle East uh, on operations and he's going to be wearing his body armour out there. And then finally, I remember um, being an army cadet in um, the Brecon Beacons in Wales and waking up one cold, dark morning to put on damp boots. I don't know if you've ever had to sort of put on damp clothing first thing in the morning when it's cold, but it's an almost singularly unpleasant experience. And actually, that's often the image that comes to my mind when I think about putting on the armour of God. When I I wake up in the middle of the night or in the early morning and maybe I'm a bit stressed or a bit, uh, I'm I'm weary and I'm a bit nervous about something and I begin to prayerfully put on the armour of God. And as I do that, I begin to remember uh, God's strength filling me, begin to remember the optimism and the hope that comes uh, from knowing his presence with me and that he's given me this armour to sustain me and help me through the battles of life. We all face battles. But the good news is that there is this armour that God gives us to help us stand and endure and persevere through the battles of life. And it is the only armour that is going to get us through. Uh, So this term we're going to be looking on Sunday mornings at each of the different bits of armour that Paul talks about in this passage. We've got the belt of truth today, and then the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. And we're going to be looking at what they actually mean. You know, what, does it, what, does the, what is the belt of truth? How do you put it on? What, is, what difference does it make to our lives, to our day to day? What difference does the breastplate of righteousness make to me when I'm going into a difficult meeting at work or when I've got to have a conversation with someone at home or, or there's a, an illness in the family? What, what difference does this stuff make? But just before we set out on looking at the armour we'll be wearing and we're going to look at the belt of truth today, um, I just want to spend a little uh, bit of time recapping what is spiritual warfare. Um, and I've got three quick points on that. Um, we, uh, in the last couple of years, we've done a course called Transforming Life here. Hands up who's done Transforming Life. Um, loads of us, which is great. Um, Tim and Jan have, have led this course. Um, and the, if you haven't done the course, have a look at our website. The course uh, information or the talks, the handouts are on there. And that goes into loads of depth on, on spiritual warfare. So if you're hungry for more, have a look on the website at Transforming Life. But just three quick things on spiritual warfare from this passage today before we get into the belt of truth. Number one, It's spiritual. Verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Our fight is not against 
people. It's not against the physical. It's against the spiritual forces that lie behind stuff, lie behind the things we see, lie behind us. And the key way of surviving life's battles is to realize that the battles are spiritual and to engage with them in spiritual ways. So, for example, if you are facing a difficult conversation with a colleague or a family member that you're worried about, I often feel like there's two parts to the battle. Firstly, there's how you deal with your own emotions and response in the run-up to that conversation, in the run-up to the event, and then there's the event itself. And a lot of the time we focus on praying just for you know, the thing that's coming up, the event, and we don't necessarily address the, the build-up before it, which is often where the battle begins to take place, in our heads and in our hearts. And the enemy will try and disorient us before we get to the event in the build-up. He'll try and persuade us to avoid a difficult conversation if we think we should have it. He'll maybe try and persuade us that we should become very passive or we should go in all guns blazing. And actually, a lot of the time, what we want to do is we want to go in in a controlled and measured fashion and you know, be secure in our identities in Christ and know that we're loved and that you know, we can give generously to the person we're talking to. But the devil tries to disorient us before we get there. Now, spiritual warfare isn't getting to the stage where you feel nothing. It's not about eliminating every ounce of fear from your life. You know, Jesus didn't do that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying to his father, if there's any way that you can take this from me, please do. So it's not about eliminating our feelings, but about bringing them to the Lord and asking them, him to order them rightly, to help us to respond the right way and in spite of maybe what we might be feeling, to do the thing that he's calling us to do? Will we invite God into the difficulty, into that battle, and continue to obey him? And that leads us to the second point, which is the goal of spiritual warfare is to stand. You know, it's, it's about taking our stand for rights against the devil's schemes. He doesn't talk about winning. He doesn't talk about winning the spiritual battle. He talks about standing. And why? Because Christ has already won the battle. Christ has already triumphed over the powers of evil on the cross. He's already made the devil submit to him. At the name of Jesus, the, the devil must bow. The battle for us is to keep standing in that truth, in the knowledge of what we know God has done when it's difficult and when the enemy might lash out. And thirdly, third point, Paul is keen to emphasize is understand your enemy. Don't underestimate him. Understand your enemy. He writes that there's a very real enemy that is intentionally scheming to undermine the work of God in our lives. And how does the enemy do that? Well, he tries to throw you off the truth. Um, the imagery Paul uses here really reminds me of that old TV program, Gladiators. Does anyone remember that? You know, Gladiator, are you ready? Um, contender, ready? And they, they used to be this challenge called the duel, where they used to stand on top of these two large columns and basically hit each other with sticks to try and knock them off the column. And that's kind of really what Paul reminds me of in this passage. He's saying you know, that you'll be able to stand and that even when the enemy might come along and trying to kind of have a go at us, that actually Paul's desire is that we're able to stand and not be knocked off the truth that we know is, is real in our lives. And he does that by kind of you know, lying to us, those, those niggling doubts that creep into our minds. Does God really love me? Does he really care about me enough to answer my prayer? Is he able to do anything in this situation? Does he see my addiction or can I actually hide it from him? All these things that kind of creep into our minds, the enemy's way of trying to throw us off the truth and take us out from standing in what we know is right. Don't underestimate your enemy, understand him. 
So that's the recap, spiritual warfare. They are spiritual battles, require spiritual engaging um, in order to stand true and firm on what we know is right. And let's understand our enemy rather than underestimating him. So in practice, if we or someone we love is, say, ill and needs healing or treatment, the battle, the struggle, is against often our response of, of fear. You know, we respond by praying and asking God, you know, help us to keep trusting you. Help us to stand against this fear. We might call it a stronghold of fear. Help us to take authority over that and to stand against the devil's attempts to knock us off the truth, which is that God loves us, that he has a plan for us, that he hasn't abandoned us, that death is not the end, and that suffering won't break us because God is with us and holding us. So there we go. That's a very brief recap of spiritual warfare. For more, look on the website at Transforming Life. So, what has Paul given us to fight with? Weapon number one, the belt of truth. Three points about the belt of truth, because it always has to be three points. Number one, it holds everything together. Number two, it has something for every occasion. And number three, it should always be within arm's reach. Number one, it holds everything together. I wonder if you've ever left the house in the morning and forgotten your belt. Uh, If you have, it's a rather uncomfortable day, especially if you fill your pockets with wallets or keys or phones like I often do, uh, and then you sort of get around the day and every now and then you just realize that gradually your trousers are lowering and lowering. The belt is the first thing you put on when you're wearing armor because it keeps everything in place. And the truth of God is so important because it holds everything in our lives together. And without it, everything falls apart. The concepts of uh, you know, post-truth and fake news are probably totally overused in sermons, but they're really important for us as Christians, aren't they? Because of how they shape our view of the world. The idea that there are no absolute truths today, but that everything is relative, that you can have no absolute right or wrongs, that you know, you can, what you feel is your truth and must be respected, it can seem really appealing, But taken to its extremes, it can be incredibly dangerous. You know, to deny that there are absolute rights and wrongs and to hide from justice and judgment is is kind of like that totally opposed to the Christian faith, which says there are most certainly absolutes. God loves us. Christ died on the cross to reconcile us to God. And if you want that reconciliation, it's through Christ. If you want to know how to live, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Don't retaliate. Bless those who curse you. Look after those who are poor and needy. And what happens if we begin to lose sight of those fundamental truths in the Bible is that everything else begins to fall apart. You know, the world around us might try to suggest that the best way of feeling better if you're feeling low is to watch Netflix and have a glass of wine. But, but really, we know that actually that might give you a little bit of a boost, but actually, if you want to know real joy, you have to bring your issues to God in prayer and with other people from the church family. And if you put your entire trust in Netflix and wine, you're either gonna end up addicted to one of them or you're gonna end up very dissatisfied and disillusioned with them. The world and culture always tries to shape us with its truths. You know, it will always try and put its narrative on us. You know, we'll hear that all religions are the same, that you can't say one's right or wrong over the other, that you can do whatever you wanna do, be whoever you wanna be, that real success is found be- in being either super productive or, or having a great career, or that real happiness is found in more comfort, or that r- a real happiness and freedom is found in having loads of money. But these lies kind of erode our real human identity 
and they steal away the dignity and the purpose and the fulfillment that God is wanting to give to our lives. Without God's truth, meaning, real meaning, begins to disappear. And the challenging question for all of us is, will we base our lives and everything in them on God's truth that we find in the Bible? So wearing the belt of truth means holding fast to the truth that God gives us. And it means wearing it round our waist at the center of who we are. Not getting caught, um, caught up with the things of the world. I was gonna say, not, not getting caught with your trousers down by not having your belt on. Wear the belt of truth and let it hold everything together. Secondly, the belt of truth has something for every occasion. Um, in the army, if you're wearing a belt, uh, it'll often have a whole load of pouches on it. They call it webbing. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get hold of any, um, but I've, uh, I've got some more visual aids after the success of the indoor fireworks at Christmas. Um, kind of success. One of them didn't really work, did it? But, um, so we've got some utility belts instead. Um, that Andrew Easton has very kindly lent me. Um, and so if you're in the army and you're wearing a belt, you'll have your pouches on, uh, and in your pouches will be everything that you need to survive for 24 hours. So you'll have your food, you'll have your water, you might have an extra kind of layer of clothing, um, you'll, you'll have every tool or thing that you need to survive. So what does it look like for us to have um, our belts of truth on? What would we have in our belts of truth? And I think that God's truth has something for every single situation. So number one, if, oh, wrong one, <laughs> great start. Number one, if we are afraid, if we are struggling with fear, God's truth has something to say. We might go to Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Or we might go to Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's something for fear. There's something for sadness. If we're feeling sad, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Or in the Psalms, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. What about grief? When we're struggling with bereavement or we've, we've lost someone we love. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And one of my personal favourites 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10. He died for us so that whether awake or asleep, we might live together in him. I've got loads of these, but I don't think we'll get through them all. Otherwise, you might begin to switch off. Stress. If you're stressed, many of us will suffer with stress this year, I'm sure, and we'll be battling against it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I love it when they make Bible verses into songs and you can remember them. Anyone remember, cast your burdens onto Jesus because he cares for you? Or Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayers of petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There are so many more. If we're struggling with guilt, if we're struggling with uh, suffering, God's truth has something to say for each of those situations. If we need guidance, God's truth can help guide us. This past week, uh, I've been, um, you know, as, as you do, facing a challenging situation, needed to relinquish control over to God and give it to him. And um, I found Ephesians chapter three, uh, verses 16 to 21 in my daily Bible reading. And I just felt God speaking to me through it and reminding me to keep praying it over and over again every time I was getting frustrated. 
Strengthen me with your power through your spirit in my inner being, that Christ would dwell in me through faith. And then praying you know, that God is, immeasurably, uh, is able to do immeasurably more than all I can ask or imagine, or do. <laughs> you know, God is Im- able to do immeasurably more than I can even think about, never mind more than I can do. What situations are we facing this week? And what does God's truth have to say about it to help us? The belt of truth has something for every occasion, for every situation that we might be facing. There we go, let's take these off before I get carried away. Ah, someone else has given me a belt, thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) And that brings us to the third and final point. The belt of truth should always be within arm's reach. Uh, You can always reach your belt if you're wearing it properly, if it's in the place it should be. And it's the place you know, where soldiers would hang their swords or, or other kits. And if you're a modern-day soldier, you have all your, your pouches with all that you need. The Bible is full of encouragement for us to wear the truth of God. Um, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 6, Moses impresses upon the Israelites. He says, you know, talk about God's uh, word when you're at home, when you're along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie it as a symbol on your hands. Bind it on your foreheads. Write it on your door frames. And uh, Orthodox Jews will often uh, wrap tape around their arms and, and put, have little kind of boxes on their foreheads and um, on their door frames with little extracts from the Old Testament in it to remind them to keep God's word really close to them. And then later on in the Old Testament, Jeremiah says, you know, that actually one day God is going to put his word in our hearts and in our minds. It won't just be an external thing. It'll be something that actually comes into our very being and shapes us. And the Holy Spirit um, is the one that does that, who takes the words of God and makes them real and brings them into our hearts. How hungry are we for God's truth? Do we love it? Do we hold it dearly and near to our hearts? Do we feed on it every day and put our trust in it above all else? I know I would like to do more of that than I do at the minute. I'd like to be hungrier and hungrier uh, for my life to be totally in line with God's word and God's truth for everything that I do and to have my heart set on fire for it, to need it each day. So how do we keep it within arm's reach? We read it, we might learn some of it. Memorizing Bible verses is really helpful because then when you're facing one of those situations, you know that it's up there. You might not, I can't, I'll often paraphrase bits and pieces. I'll get it kind of half right, but I know where to go to find the rest of it. And it's so helpful when we're facing difficult situations. Um, when I was at theological college, one of our tutors told us a story about how in some of the earlier days of the college, uh, they'd had two imams come and visit and spend some time with them. So uh, people that were training for uh, uh, become Muslim priests, become imams. And uh, they were going to come and learn Christian theology for a couple of weeks um, at the uh, college. And when they arrived, they said, you know, we're really excited. We are people of the book, the, the, their book of the Quran, and you are people of the book as well, you know, people of the Bible. Um, and so they attended all the lectures and meals and, and spent time with all the trainee vicars. Um, and towards the end of their time, they went back to the tutor and said, you know, we, we, we thought you, we were both people of the book, but we, we were a bit confused because, you know, we have to memorize most of the Quran by the time we're teenagers, whereas, you know, it, it, it doesn't look like you kind of know your book very well. And, you know, the tutor was cut to the heart and, and sort of really challenged. I thought, gosh, you've been with us two weeks and, and you can, you know, that you just see this massive disparity. And it's a real challenge, isn't it, for us to, to really know uh, the word of God. And, but there is a difference, obviously, between knowing it up here and, and knowing it down here. And I think 
we, you know, I want to know the reality of the Word of God, the reality of the Bible, how it actually makes a difference to my life down here. But first of all, I do actually have to read it <laughs> and have it come in up here. At the beginning of this new year, many of us will be considering New Year's resolutions. Hands up who's got a New Year's resolution already. A few of us. Hands up who's broken them already. <laughs> but we might have one or two uh, for our faith. How are we going to grow in our faith this year? How are we going to get to know God better and love him more? And uh, I know Naomi mentioned last week uh, that her old church, one of the things they were doing was reading through the New Testament together. And there are so many ways in which we can grow in our, uh, getting to know God's word, getting to know the Bible uh, this term and this year. Um, this coming week, uh, um, a few of us on the staff team, we're, we're going to launch a little blog uh, looking at apps uh, that can help us uh, in our discipleship, the Bible reading apps, um, various other reflection apps, prayer apps. Um, there are loads of ways in which we can uh, get to know the word of God better. And I wonder, after the service, chat to the person next to you. Ask them, what do they do? How do you, how do you get into Bible? When was the time that you were most on fire for the Bible in your life? What, were the, what book did you read? Where should I start? Or maybe agree, maybe have a little pact between you. Say, okay, right, let's both read Isaiah this term or let's both look into Mark um, and let's share the Bible verses that are really speaking to us that God is really speaking today here and now into our lives through his word there are a few things God would love more than to help you establish a pattern of listening to his voice and getting to know his word this year and if God's word is the truth if the belt of truth is the truth about life the universe and everything then it's the thing that we need to base our lives on and know more than anything else. You know, without it, without the belt of truth, things fall apart. But with it, around our waist, we can find something that God has to say for every situation that we're facing in life. And with the belt of truth in arm's reach, we'll have those, that, that truth, that encouragement, that comfort from God at our fingertips and at the forefront of our heads. When we intentionally fill our heads and hearts with the word of God, we can find that there are untold riches for every situation in life that help us to become fully alive and know the truth about who God is, what he's done, and how he's inviting us to journey with him in the here and now, day to day. So let's pray together for that. Heavenly Father, so many of us will uh, struggle Um, to read your word as much as we'd like to. We'll have newborn kids. Uh, We'll have things to do around the house. We'll have pressured jobs. But Lord, thank you for your grace. And thank you that you always have your arms outstretched, welcoming us to know you more. And so Lord, this year, would you lead us? Would you give us the hunger in our hearts uh, to use the time we have um, to seek you out in your word, to wear your belt of truth around our waist in the middle of who we are, the centre of who we are, to base our lives on it and to grow in our, our understanding of it, our love of it, and our confidence in it. Holy Spirit, would you do these things by your power and in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.